Welcome to the It's Possible podcast, where we tackle topics between life, business, and everything in between, and how we make it all possible with your hosts, John and Amy. Let's take it away. Well, this is a perfect part to start, so go ahead. What were you saying? I was saying, I, you have always said that my family is crazy because of, like, the audible burping. Yeah, like burping, like... Like from deep in... Yeah, like it's a competition. <laughs> like, it, almost as though... And see, that you guys were doing this before the movie Elf came out. But it's yeah. almost as though it's... And it's, it's like, When he's clugging the two-liter and did, did you hear... I mean, it was... It was one of the most off-putting things. Off-putting. I was, I was not mentally prepared to be like at a restaurant. <laughs> and it's just... Oh, and it's just like... Oh, and then nothing. And so the first time it happens, I'm like... Well, it's my... Exce- oh, it's- oh, did anybody... Nobody? Nothing. No one is saying anything. Like, nobody said anything. It was as though nothing had happened. It was pretty amazing. But my, my it's mostly my extended family that does it without mentioning names. But... It's fantastic. But I have... They're, they're, yeah. And here's the thing. It's not that it's... Like, they're not allowed to do that. It's just... It's so awesome that you could be in, like, a totally public place... <laughs> I don't know if they do it in public. Public. We were at a rest. We were at a place where other people existed. I do not recall. This. And it was just odd, audibly like the Budweiser frogs from the commercials. <laughs> and like the hand on the chest. Like it was as those, right? It was like, <laughs> and then, um, and then they finished their story and it was just like, Oh, that's awesome. There are, there's a myriad of digestive issues that my family seems to have. Yeah, well. it was pretty awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. Well, so we had some things that are coming up that are pretty exciting. Where um, we were reached out to. One person would say exciting, another would say terrifying. Right. Downright I, paralyzing. Paralyzing, the possibility of vomiting. On screen. On screen. <laughs> is very high. So we were reached out to by Catherine Jones, who is our coach that we um, have been with now for uh, um, a number of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is the one that is the brainchild behind CF Design School, which mm-hmm. was the program that we joined last... Something. May. I think you got it for me for Mother's Day. Yeah, so it was like about this time last year, we started the CF Design School program. It's really what may started making a massive difference for us in our uh, business, learning how to be able to do design and web pages and all that, but not just just generally, but more most specifically for you. Yes, like you you had heard a lot, you understood a lot more of the things, but because I had come from like. Um, so, so CF Design School, the CF is ClickFunnels, mm-hmm. and so ClickFunnels mm-hmm. is a software that allows you to be able to build web pages in a format 
that allows conversion or sales mm -hmm. to be much higher than your standard um, website website. So whether mm -hmm. you've heard of Wix or Squarespace or WordPress, mm -hmm. right? Those are all website builders. ClickFunnels specifically lends itself very well to the sales space. Yes. And so I had learned all sorts of things and got and gotten books. Um, so uh, Russell Brunson, right? He is he is the creator of this ClickFunnels software, and um, really pretty amazingly, in like the last five years or less, has taken it to be a billion dollar company. Mm -hmm. You know, not publicly traded. Kind of all he owns it. They never took any. Um, uh, venture capitalist funding, right? Kind of just did it all, mm -hmm. right? Been hustling it. So I had we had learned about Catherine in CF Design School um, when we kind of first decided that we were going to start a company officially. Yes, because she was added on as a like like a bonus material. So I I found the free mama and the with the algorithms of Facebook and depending on what you're Google searching is this was right before like the or right when like the idea of Austria kind of fell through right and I was feeling like a worthless piece of shit mm -hmm. and it was like I need to do something but at this time I very 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 strongly felt that I was changing to the point that I would have anxiety like leaving the house like I was having struggles to where it's like, are the next steps like me becoming a full-fledged hermit? Right. And if, if COVID would have happened then, like it would have been really bad news bears for me. Cause I was already like something changed with me. Something changes with you when you become a mom, no matter what. But like, right. I felt like I lost a lot of my identity. I've always been an introvert and I've always, um, been totally fine being alone that's never been an issue for me it's in fact it's something i prefer but it was getting to the point that like i didn't want to go out and like speak to people or interact with humans at all and for sure just you know my again my parents owned a business and we had i mean i you, you deal with people all day long i've literally had a job i mean they started they started having me work when i was eight years old and uh i've had a job ever since like right. i've you know i've always been able to engage with people i i've never had i i struggle greatly with awkward silences but i was see, always frightened to like the idea of someone's like hey do you want to come to lunch with me is terrifying because it's like what if we, what if we stop talking and there's an awkward silence but you haven't always been so it's one thing that's interesting because the story that you've told that the story that you tell, stories that you tell of um, growing up, high school, um, maybe early years of college, you weren't as introverted. Or maybe you were as introverted, but you seem to be, while you may have been introverted, you were more comfortable with being I was I was also on, on stage engaging with people. Oh yeah, so I was a different person. So like the reason well, you right. is just like I was. So something that's super weird about me is I don't, and this sounds totally strange. I don't like music, and I don't like music. Everyone's like, "What do you mean you don't like me?" That's not a thing. Yeah, I'm giving you a hard time for being 
not having a soul. Yes. Right. But it's just, and this has changed somewhat, but it's, of course, like if I'm in the car, I listen to the radio or whatever, but it's, I prefer silence. Like if you guys are not home, I know a lot of people are like, I need background noise. Like I need the TV on, I need music. No. Like I prefer the sounds of like birds singing outside and a lovely babbling brook. And that, that's about it. I don't like extraneous noise. And I think it's because, and like I get over that, like, especially in your music is downright freaking ridiculous. I don't know if I'm a good, I'm not a super good no, um, like your, comparison. No, My anxiety for sure has increased as I've become an adult. And your music gives me a visceral reaction. Like it viscerally makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And so that, and I know that that's bizarre, but like I, well, well, not the style, the style of music that I listen to regularly, um, all sorts of really extreme versions of metal probably get lots of people. But what's so crazy is like in high school, I used to go to like screamo and punk rock concerts like all the time. Yeah. So you say I did. Right. Looking back again, right. and I'll get to that in a second, yeah. but like it's now I'm at the point where it's just, I have so many things going on in my head all the time. Yes. I think any mother does that. It's, I need quiet. I can't have extraneous noise because there's too much noise in my head. I prefer silence so that I can work out my thoughts that I'm having. Yeah. Um. So, but anyway, so back in the day, like I was, um, I played the clarinet and like I was a first chair clarinetist, I like used to do gigs. Um, for a minute, I had toyed with the idea of becoming like a musical therapist, um, and going to college for that. Like there's, so that's strange. I did theater. I I when I was little, I used to like, and this was elementary school, so it's super goofy. But like I used to, you know, write plays. But like, I was weird enough that the principal let me and this other boy, Alex Paso. <laughs> Shout like, out to Alex Basso. Shout out to Alex Basso. He's like a super stud lawyer in Chicago now. He's like doing awesome. But anyway, um, he, his mom had him like come up with this idea for us where it was, he would do the news. So he would dress up like a news reporter and every week we would give a full fledged news report like, and it started with just our class. And then it developed to the point that him and I would do this for, like, the entire school, which was, like, 600 kids. And, you know, in, in middle school and high school, um, I student-directed Chicago, which is very near and dear to right, my heart. that's a big deal, for sure. It was a big deal because there was, again, and I think I've told the story a million times, and it's, like, a broken record, but it's because we we're so close to Chicago. Like, there's only, I think, a handful of schools in the entire country that got the rights to do Chicago for high school theater. Our theater directors were amazing dudes. They had been there for, like, I think my mom had... The one guy when she was in... At the high school. At the high school, yeah. yeah. Like, they had been there for, like, 35 years. And they were the most amazing, wonderful director. Like, we had... What was bizarre about our high school... We're going off on super tangents. That's okay. This, Finish the thought. It's, it's a good thought. Yeah, it's... Um, what's bizarre about our high school is for sure there were cliques, right? But it was a lot more mishmashed than what you saw on TV and for sure what you grew up in in Southern California where it's, we had the, you know, quote unquote jocks, right? Right. But like the superstars on the football team also acted in the spring musical. 
Right, which and definitely also, was not my right, experience. And also we're like in orchestra. And, and it's this weird like dynamic that allowed multiple groups of like the weird emo goth kids that only did theater or set design to interact with the, the more popular kids, right? And it's this weird dynamic. You know, our valedictorian who was like a super because there were I think like 13 of us by the time we were sophomores and I was one of them that were tied to be valedictorian right because I and it, it got to the point where I'm like I no longer care this is stupid because we all had like a 4.5 GPA yeah and in order to make it you had to take like every honors class for the next two years and I was already like over high school. I graduated high school early because I'm like, I don't care about any of this noise. Right. But there was several, like our valedictorian ended up taking, like it was, you know, honors everything that you can take to get the highest GPA as close to 5.0 as possible. Mm -hmm. And she was amazing. And I think her major was like molecular biology, like something crazy. And after experiencing these awesome teachers that were, um, the one guy, Mr. Bodner, did um, speech and then theater classes. And he was the one that you had to, because it was kind of one of those one semester classes that you have to take to graduate. But he would do. What was like public speaking? Yeah. Okay. A speech. It was called speech. Right, 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 right. Um, which was like you had to recite, you had to write and recite a poem and you had to do all these, these things. But one of his main parts, which he took like way too much time doing, but did not care was he just took, um, American pie and we had to break down the lyrics and like relate it to what was happening historically. And we had to have a public debate. And then the one thing is that he was an avid smoker. Oh, he would, this is, you've told me the story and before where debates, to, like, yeah, the like you had to go smoking. up in front of yeah, a podium and he would just berate you and fight you. And you had to argue with him like amicably on, um, making smoking illegal in right. restaurants and yeah. stuff. But he also did theater class and the Mr. Stevens was, um, the other guy that was there and you could actually take a class called set design, um, and so anyway, a lot of people went through that. And like our valedictorian ended up changing her major and like went into theater stuff because she had such a, like a, a memorable experience from, from dealing with these teachers. So anyway, I did a lot of weird things that under no circumstance would I be comfortable with today. Like I could probably, cause like when we started, when we were at church, you had to give up, stand up and give a talk. And there's, there's several people that are there, right? right. Probably close to a hundred people. people. Yeah. Um, and it was terrifying, but I could do it. But when I was in high school, I used to be able to do that without a problem. If you asked me to do that now, I I would probably openly vomit. Do you feel like it's just a muscle? Probably. It just I has think, atrophied? I think that it's a lot of things. I think that when you are young and in high school, you um, parrot what you see, of course. So I think that I was trying on a lot of different hats in who I thought I was. Yeah. And so it was, and I did that too in college, like in hygiene school, when I knew my back was going out, it was like, well, shit, what are my options? And it was either like sales or teaching. And I remember like we would have guest speakers from Colgate and stuff come in all the time. And like, I would immediately go up and be more or less like the class rep representative. Right. Um, and have no problem explaining who I was and what I thought. I also was a naive child because I had this issue with like professors and teachers where it's 
you know, I was always told that I was wise beyond my years was the quote that was frequently used. Right, right, right. But I think hearing that a lot as a kid, because you're still very much a kid, that it's I thought that I was better. So it's I would argue a lot of points very vocally in class. Like I remember one time. Yeah, you were empowered. I was empowered. But like I remember in this, I got humbled, big slice of humble pie is um, in our microbiology class. I was working as a dental assistant at the time and he was talking about like um, the efficacy of scope versus Listerine um, in killing like oral bacteria. Mm -hmm. And of course, like I went home and found all these errors in his research and like brought it back and like the next day, like raised my hand and like thought that I was going to like look at how awesome I am. And he was like, you sit your shit down and you shut up because this is my class. And I'm like, oh, okay. But so I had a lot of that, of just feeling empowered. Well, what's interesting, we, you and I have talked about this several times. You had this feeling of empowerment and this ability to maybe be someone that is rather introverted, but then being this extroverted introvert. Yeah. I was and- never comfortable with, do, I can do it. I can play the game very well. And I think that that's from being raised in a restaurant, having parents that were very much like you shake a man's hand. Right. Like, do you, I don't care if you're a woman, you shake firmly, you look someone in the eyes. It's yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And whatever. And so I've learned to play the game very well. Right. But I don't know if I've ever fully been comfortable in that. But sense. you were one of the school. The, your experience with school and your feeling towards school. I love school. Right, is very very different mm-hmm. than say my relationship. The reality was is that I got along with all of my my teachers and professors and everybody um, very well. But the reality was is it wasn't necessarily something that I loved school. School was an was something I had to do in order to play sports. No, you must be this tall to ride. And this is where I'm driving towards is your ability to feel empowered and your ability to feel safe, Mm -hmm. to be extroverted, even Mm -hmm. though you may naturally be more of an introvert Mm -hmm. is probably because all of these situations, whether it was Chicago Mm -hmm. or whether it was speaking to professors or being the class representative and Mm -hmm. kind of putting yourself out there Mm -hmm. was always in a school setting. Yeah. And so it was a place where you already were very, very comfortable. So mm-hmm. it allowed you to be able to be mm-hmm. who I think you probably can be, obviously, mm-hmm. anywhere. I don't feel that confidence. But that's it. Mm-hmm. The confidence difference. And so the atrophy of the muscle. Probably. It but- would be safe to assume because I think for a while you've been accounting like how you feel now and the things that you feel. Oh, man. I'm making a lot of connections, not just with you, but with, as we've heard people since COVID, the idea of this muscle Mm -hmm. of being in front of people or with people. And I think that it's gotten atrophied because of everyone being afraid and told to be indoors and don't Mm -hmm. interact with people Mm -hmm. and, and you have your face covered. So you kind of miss, you know, the body language, some of the most important body language pieces that we can get of looking someone in the face and getting that and reading that that, that feedback, that, that vibe. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, when people like you're taking, you are taken out of the workplace or you're not allowed to work the way that you once were. And I'm talking about everybody just in general, the muscle of confidence is atrophied for sure because it's whether you're a school teacher 
or whether you had a job where you worked in an office where you were good and you were good at what you did Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they twist it or they change it or they manipulate it in such a way where you don't get to be that or you become a stay-at-home mom well and that and that's for sure and and for me it's instead of saying because this is where i think that oftentimes conversations where it's like becoming a stay-at-home mom becoming a mother has ruined me yeah has ruined my ability and i think it's not so much that becoming a mom has done it but you've lost the confidence the muscle that you got to exercise so often where you were. And so this is my point for you specifically is the thought that goes through my mind is because we did, we did this so quickly where it was, we got together, you graduated high school, you were in hygiene school, Mm -hmm. we got married Mm -hmm. and then had kids pretty, all pretty quick. Mm -hmm. The association is that when I became a mother, my anxiety became higher. I became more introverted, this, that, and the other, where in all reality, it was just the removal of you being in school because that was your place of confidence. Partially, not completely. I think that it, it's it's a lot of things. I think obviously biologically you change when you become a mother Yeah. on a foundational level. Your hormones change. Something happens. Um, but also I think it's becoming a mom. It's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that you always feel like you're screwing up. Like there was, and I wish I could pull it up for you. Um, It was someone this morning I saw and I almost shared it. it was like a brain and it was like, this is why moms forget everything or this is why we forget everything. And it's like, and I've showed you these like 87 different things that, are going through our minds and it's not always like, Oh shit, I forgot to put the laundry in the dryer and, and damn it. It's, it's like Hawaiian day at Henry school. Like it's, it's not those things necessarily, right. but it's like, is it my fault? Was I too hard on the kids? God damn it. Kids are expensive. Oh, look, that's a baby. I want a baby. I miss those days. I've screwed up. What are they going to become? Should I be paying more attention? I'm too busy. Like the, like it's constant. And so I think that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that, you as a mom are constantly self-assessing and you always feel like a screw up. And I think for me, especially and it's, and I, I think it's partially my drive to always have wanted to have a girl is again, that innate attachment that they have to you being boys to their dad. Sure. And the fact that they now since birth have had no problem just openly exemplifying the fact that it's, we prefer daddy like you're here as the maid and the cook and like know your place woman. And, and, and that's, what's awesome about kids is they, they, there's no nuance. So it's very honest. Um, and I know that they love me and I, and I hear it all the time. It's like, Oh, your boys, you, you know, and it's like, yeah, I know, but there is no denying that if push came to shove, you win 100% of the time. And so in my brain, it's constantly that I'm, I've screwed up. Right. And I can't, I worry about them all the time. Michael is humongous. Now, so were we. And I can, being in that circumstance, like I know the outcome or I think I know the outcome of just what he will become once he has a growth spurt. But it's like, it's constantly like, 
Am I feeding him the right thing? Am I doing something wrong? Does he need more help with Jack and his anxiety and his inability to ride a damn bike? It's like, okay, what do we need to do? How do we need to fix this? Henry with sleeping. Like it's, it's constant that it's, I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I've screwed up. I'm screwing up three human beings. What will they become? Yeah. And I think that goes through mom's minds all the time. I think that some mothers just end up phoning it in or are just like, just, screw, well, they, yeah, they because it's just, I, I don't know what to do. And this is, this is too much. I think every parent experiences that. And for me personally, I can't speak to other people, but for me personally, I internalize that so much. And I think it self-perpetuates the notion that it's, I have to hide in a shell because I'm not good enough. Yeah. And so it goes. So I think that that, I think being away from a school setting for sure, where I feel, I felt confident, I felt capable in putting me in a home with three tyrants Right. And no public connection on top of the fact that even if you, I mean, if you're lucky enough to have a group of supportive women, then God bless you. And I do too. I mean, I have a lot of, of good close friends that I think will, will certainly you can sympathize. reach out. Right. You right. Know, and that if can, you needed to, you could reach out and, but, you, and, and even against your nature, you have for sure. Yeah. But I think that there are still too many that, there's instant judgment. Right. And I'm not exempt from that either. Sometimes if there's a problem, it's like, damn lady, you know? And I think in my head, like, well, are you not doing this? You're not doing this. You're not doing this. And it's so wrong of me to do that and to have those thoughts because it's, I of course have no idea what, what that person is experiencing, but it's just, it's this instant mom shaming that no matter what you do, you can't win. Right. So you have to hide in your house and pretend like everything's okay. And when people are like, oh, how's it going? How are you? You can't actually say, I'm having a very hard time. Right. This is too hard. And I feel like I'm going to die because nobody wants to hear that. And nobody wants to hear that because everybody's experiencing that. I think and that's it's, weird. But but you, you're right and you're wrong. It's strangers don't want to hear that. But there are people, right? People that are in your inner circle or yeah. people that are in your circle is you can reach out and just be like, Hey, does anybody else feel like they're drowning? Mm-hmm. But, but I like, think... but seriously, like we may need to fucking chat about it, yeah. but that's oftentimes what you're seeing is that how you deal with that, how people deal with that all deal with it so differently. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think things can become difficult because it's when someone reaches out and it's like, Hey, does everybody want to come over and like drink wine? Mm-hmm. That is how that person deals with that. Yeah. And the issue is like, I don't deal with my problems that way. And it's like fucking replace wine with water. It doesn't matter. Like it's, it's, I just need to have humans around me because this is how I can talk with it. Because I can talk to my husband about some of these things all the time, but at some point he doesn't have a fucking clue. He doesn't understand. And so everybody is a little bit different as far as, but it, it really seems to be what is a bummer is hearing you kind of talk about these things for me because it's, my brain and how I take a problem and look at what a solution is not to boil it down or to minimize it, but everything that I heard the solution is you need a win. Yes. There's so so many things that are just all these losses. You're taking the L 
Right. And so when getting back, coming full circle now is when Austria fell through, that was the ultimate, like, what the actual fuck? Because I had a little bit of a taste and it just, it was circumstantial, right? It was like, God damn it. But it's, I had a little taste of like that. Maybe I was worth something that it was, I was going to go and have a job and like, maybe I had a skill and it was going to be utilized. And then it's like the whole thing went to hell in a handbasket. And it was like, what the fuck? And I remember feeling very, very scared that it's, I, okay. I had this little itch to kind of do something. So let's put it to use. And I became paralyzed where it's like, but I can't do anything. Cause it's like, yeah. well, I could probably start going back to hygiene maybe a little bit, but I talked myself out of the practice. I didn't, it, it was very impractical to do with just the state of the kids. And it still is, but it was like, it was more or less my own just immense fear that it was, I can't do this. And then it was like, okay, should I go work at the preschool? Cause I had been offered that. And it's like, but I don't know if I can. And it's, it's, I felt like I physically couldn't do anything. And I genuinely was concerned that I was going to trap myself into being a mom forever and incapable of doing anything else because that's how I felt. And now, and that I think is the, is the best distinction where it's, I felt trapped where being a mom was all I was going to be able to be because I can't yeah. do anything else. And that I think is I the was biggest, too scared. And that's the biggest lie. And so it was, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so then it's been because of you. If it wasn't for you, I think I very much still would be in that boat of just fear because you pretty much kicked me out the door is when, you know, I was kind of Google searching for like ways to work from home. I wanted to bring in some element of money to maybe start having financial freedom, but do it in the comfort of my own home where I didn't have to interact with people. Yeah. And that's when based on the algorithms or whatever, I started seeing ads for free mama. And one day I was a sucker and I clicked and I watched the webinar and then I was super doubtful, but then you watched it and I went up to go pee and you purchased it for me. And what we'll do is we will stop this episode right there as the click cliffhanger for the story. So we reviewed extroverted introvert, got all the way to the point where you took as becoming a mom. You took a leap for me. Right, right, right. But you were taking L's everywhere you looked. And it's something that probably a lot of folks folks experience and probably have been experiencing quite a bit over the last year due to the situation that COVID's put everybody in. And then how you with a little bit of help from me stopped a kick through just in the butt taking off, just pushed me off the, cliff. the L and then we can talk about how we kind of start being able to stack um stack some wins so that's the cliffhanger listen to the next episode where we will talk about kind of starting to stack some W's and not feel like you can't do anything else yes You can find us on social media for at It's Possible Virtual Solutions. Find us on Instagram at, at It's Possible VS. That's V as in victory, S as in Sam, at It's Possible VS. You can also find us on Facebook at It's Possible Virtual Solutions. You can find John at on Instagram at JBanksFL. And you can find Amy on Instagram at Amy.m.Fairbanks. That's A-I-M-E-E dot M dot Fairbanks on Instagram. 
If you're interested in being able to uh, talk to us more about some different things that you have going on, you'd love to be able to get our input and be able to have us possibly come in and work with you and help you with the things that you have going on, shoot us an email at info at itspossiblevirtualsolutions.com. That's info at itspossiblevirtualsolutions.com. Lastly, wherever you listen to our podcast episodes, we ask you to subscribe and leave us a review. This helps you get alerts when we drop a new episode. It also helps others find the podcast when they search for us. It'll only take you a minute or two, and we sure get excited when we see some love that comes our way. We appreciate your time, and we appreciate you joining us for today's episode. Till next time.